0: Well, uh, who's here last week? Raise your hand if you're here last week. Okay, what in one word? What was last week about? What? Community. community. Good. I want you to say it as a community. So, we're practicing these things. Yeah, community. Last week, Mark laid out um, a great representation of what community needs to look like here at Bridgewood. And the thing that stuck with me—I don't know if it stuck with you—but what stuck with me is that if community is all about relationship, relationship oftentimes feels inconvenient. Who would relate to that at all? It feels inconvenient, right? you got to put yourself out there. You have to let people see you. Um, and then you have to see other people, right? Sometimes you don't want to know about other people, you know? There are people that you look and you judge them, and you're like, ah, I don't want to get to know that person. You know, And that could be the very person God is calling you to. So it feels inconvenient. And so um, t- we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. But today we're going to focus on prayer. And when I say that word, what does that mean to you? Communication with, with God. Okay, communication with God. What else? Listening, hearing God's voice. Yep. Anybody else? Relationship. Yeah. Well, today, you know, we could talk for years about all the different kinds of prayers. Different ways to pray, how you pray, how you listen, to that. But before we can even get to that, I want to talk about how we need to posture ourselves so that we can become a culture of prayer. A people that pray all the time. And I'll talk about what that means, because that's not a fun phrase to hear for some of you that have a different definition of prayer than what we'll talk about today. So, um, last time I preached, I tried something new. I tried to get with the digital times and do a uh, PowerPoint. I'm going to try it again, and I got a clicker, right? The power is mine now, right? And a little clicker. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, I'm I'm probably one of the few 30-year-olds that knows nothing about this stuff, and I have my iPad up here with my Bible on it, so I just want to let you know I'm practicing, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to get with it. But yeah, we're going to talk about, huh? But I got to push the button. It didn't work too well last service, so yeah, hopefully I worked the kinks out. Oh, there we go. Look at that. I didn't even press the button. Thanks, Daniel. That's awesome. I'm going to do it for him. He can't press a button. So today we're going to talk about what that means, and. Um, I'd like you, uh, who has your Bible? Do you have your Bible? Please get your Bibles out. If, if you have one on your phone, um, iPad, if you have a smartphone and you don't have a Bible on there, get one. They're free. Um, we want to continue to bring our Bibles every Sunday. All right? We want to be people of the Word. And if you turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, and this is where we're going to camp today, verse 16 through 18. We're going to talk about what it looks like to posture ourselves in a way that we can become a community centered on Christ, that we can become a community whose DNA is prayer, and how we can become a community that is committed to going on mission with Jesus, no matter where that is, and then being committed to discipling others and being discipled so we're going to look at what that postures, what those postures are like. So starting at verse 16, if you don't have your Bibles, just look behind me. Rejoice always, Paul is saying to the Thessalonians. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let me say that one more time. Rejoice always. Pray Without ceasing, without stopping, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How many you read that and go, that is a task and a half? Anybody? Is that overwhelming for anybody other than me? Rejoice always, meaning no matter what the situation, you're always recognizing what God is doing, right? And, and you're giving thanks for it. And being thankful in every situation, man, I'm so thankful I have diabetes. It's it rocks my world. Right? That's hard. Right? How am I stay thankful? How do I pray without ceasing, without stopping? It sounds exhausting, doesn't it? Well, before we can even engage this, before we can even look at how how we do this, okay. We have to understand that one thing has to happen first. You can't rejoice always. You can't give thanks in all circumstances. And you definitely cannot pray without ceasing if you have not surrendered who you are fully to Christ Jesus. Period. Click time. Nope. I hit the wrong one. I hit the red one. Is that a bad one to hit? (laughs) Daniel, help me out. You're my safety net. And now it's off? (laughs) Oh, man, I'm awesome at this. There we go. There it is. Thank you, Daniel. You're the man. Always have a backup, by the way. Always. Surrender, right? We have to surrender our lives, and not just part of it. All of it. All of it has to be his. Now, that may seem easier said than done, Yes, but we have to understand that that is a goal for us, because if you don't surrender who you are, if you don't give everything that you want up to him, we're never going to be able to do the things that 1 Thessalonians is telling us about. Remember, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Jesus says, deny yourself everything that you would want, everything you think you need. Deny that, pick up your cross, and follow me. Surrender everything to me. Today, I'm going to look to Hollywood to help us out. Okay? And I'll explain that statement after this drink. Are we made in the image of God? Is every single person on the planet made in the image of God? Are people in Hollywood made in the image of God? Yes. and. It's so interesting that even in a culture where we, a majority of us, may deny Jesus and may deny his presence in our life, his image comes out of us whether we know it or not. And so I'm just forewarning you, I'm going to refer to some films of the past that will help speak into the things that we're talking about this morning. Is that okay? So you know that's going to happen, so don't be surprised. But I believe that sometimes we will find God's image, his message to us, in the midst of stories, in the midst of things that we never expected. Because whether we know it or not, he's at work. And so, um, I remember, I'm going to show you a clip in just a second, but a movie came out called Bruce Almighty years ago. Anyone seen it? Right? Great movie. Last movie I thought I would be sobbing in. Did anyone cry in that other than me? No one's going to. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, babe. Till death do us part. My wife's like, yeah. And so, for those of you that don't know, Jim Carrey is in it. Most of you know Jim Carrey, right? He's, he does a lot of wholesome movies, right? And so, <laughs> and so uh, his, uh, he's a news anchor in this movie, and nothing's going his way. And he basically tells God he could do a better job than God at, at helping run people's lives. And so God goes, challenge accepted. You can have my powers for however long. Now, it sounds ridiculous. In some ways, it is. And you see his life at first. You're like, yeah, he's loving it. It's great. He's doing all these things. And then it gets real bad. And he loses the woman he loves because he messes up. He abuses the power. And she decides not to be with him. And so there's a scene where at the very end, he's standing in the street and it's raining. And he throws his hands up and he says, I give up. I don't want to try and lead my own life. I want you to lead my own life, lead my life. And he says, I surrender to your will, is what he says to God. And it's like, you start getting emotional and then These lights start to come up upon him, and you're like, oh, man. Morgan Freeman plays God, by the way. Great voice. I have no problem God having Morgan Freeman's voice, right? (laughs) And you see the lights on him, and you think, oh, here comes God, and it's a truck. And the truck (laughs) hits him. And so then he's in heaven. And I'm going to show that clip in just a second. When I do, I want you to notice. Okay, remember, we're talking about surrender here. I want you to take notice of some things he says, and then we'll talk about it. Am I? You can't kneel down in the middle of a highway and live to talk about it, son. But why? Why now? Bruce, you have the divine spark. You have the gift for bringing joy and laughter to the world. I know. I created you. Quit bragging. <laughs> See, that's that's what I'm talking about. That's the spark. What do you want me to do? I want you to pray, so go ahead. Use them. Um, Lord, feed the hungry and bring peace to all of mankind. How's that? Great. If you want to be Miss America... (laughs) What do you really care about? Through your eyes. Now that's a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I'm going to get right on it. Amen. <laughs> did someone clap? Yeah, you clap. What did you notice? Yeah. Your will, not mine. Did you see him give up, willing to give up what he wanted most? Because he wants to be able to see through God's eyes and not his own. And he says, hey, do you want her back? No, I don't. I want what you want. And he goes through many trials to get to that point. But eventually, he's standing face to face. And he, he came to, uh, to God with... A different kind of prayer style than the one that God was like, now that's a prayer, right? The Miss America prayer. And uh, comes to a point where he's willing to give up what's most dear so that what God wants can happen. That's surrender. That's what he, God is ushering us, wants to usher us into, is this beautiful surrender so that we can see people, we can see our own lives through his eyes and not our own, because when we look at the world around us in our eyes, it's very limited. Possibilities are limited. Hope is limited. What can be done in your life is limited, because you're looking at it through a creative lens instead of saying to the uncreated God, what you want, not what I want. If we can step into that kind of surrender, then we can start talking about rejoicing always, being thankful in all circumstances, and praying out without ceasing. Because now we're open to it. Now we're ready for it. Now it's, God, whatever you want to do. Praying without ceasing sounds tiring, but if that's what you want, help me see prayer through your eyes and not my own. Help me see Rejoicing through your eyes and not, not my own. And thankfulness through your eyes and not my own. So surrender is absolutely key. We need to posture ourselves in surrender. Next, we must rejoice and give thanks in all circumstances. A thousand cool points if someone can tell me what movie this is from. One guy was able to do it last service. I was shocked. Can Anybody? Nobody. All right. This is from Joe versus the Volcano with Tom Hanks. I don't know if everyone saw it. It's a ridiculous movie. <laughs> but it's about a man. Everything in his life feels meaningless. Dead end job, no relationships, no friendships, no community to speak of. And then he finds out that he's dying, supposedly. So a rich man finds out this guy's dying. And the long and short is that this rich man represents a tribe in the tropics that uh, are afraid the volcano on their island is going to erupt. And they believe if an outsider jumps in and sacrifices his life, then the gods will be appeased and all this stuff. So Tom Hanks says, yeah, I'm dying anyways. I might as well let my life have purpose. So he goes on this voyage, and he gets shipwrecked. But uh, he was given a large sum of money before he left, to get whatever he wants, you know, for his last few months. So he buys these ridiculous uh, luggage bags that are waterproof. And after the wreck, he makes a raft. And he is um, dehydrated. He knows he's going to probably die sooner than he, what he thought. He can't fulfill his purpose. So there's this scene. And he's laying, he's laying on the raft, and the moon comes up, and the light hits him. And what you see, what do you see in his posture right now? Surrender, a sense of rejoicing. And he says something so poignant. He looks at this and he struggles to get up and he raises his hands. And I mean, I'm crying in this movie and it's ridiculous. And he raises his hands and he says this. He says, God, dear God. Thank you for my life. That's what he says. A guy whose life had nothing going on, and he says, "Thank you for my life." And then he says, "This I forgot how big you are." Thank you for my life. And that always stuck with me. Because we can get we can get trapped in this um, understanding that God is small, is minimal. He loses control of our lives, right? We often point the finger at God when we have circumstances that are challenging. Like this guy's facing. And we forget how big he is. That his ways are not our ways. And that when we surrender and trust him, he'll do things we never thought possible. Now, all ends well for him. He finds out he's not dying. Sorry, spoiler alert. But I don't think anyone's going to watch it, probably. But. but he had a moment of clarity. Where he surrendered and he acknowledged, he was able to rejoice and look back at the fact that he had life. He had opportunity. And he was thankful for it. Now, it may not look like a life you want to brag about, but he was, came to a place of thankfulness. And many of us are in situations where we're bruised, broken, bleeding, hurting. And it's hard for us to rejoice. How do we we rejoice in that? How do I give thanks for this reality? Because I don't like the reality that I'm in. But I'll tell you this. I was literally on my deathbed when I uh, contracted diabetes. And I remember at 2 in the morning when I was in the hospital. It was the point in my life. I would say I was a Christian most of my life. But that's where I said, Jesus, I'm ready to live with you. And I remember the moment of surrender allowed me to look at my circumstances. I was, I was only a few hours from death. I was able to look at my circumstances. At 2 in the morning, I remember laughing and rejoicing and being thankful. Because now I knew what my, look like, my life looked like to him. It was precious to him. And it was a life he wanted from me. He wanted me to give him who I am. And with that, clarity came in and I could rejoice and I could be thankful in a circumstance that really most people wouldn't be grateful for. And that's not me. That's God filling me with his presence because I've allowed him to. That's surrender. That's what it means to rejoice and be thankful. So we see a picture, a posture of thankfulness, of rejoicing. So we need to take a posture of surrender. Posture of rejoicing and thanking him always. And now, well, never stop praying. Now, when I say that to you, pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Does that seem like a big task? How many of you think that's boring? Praying all the time is a lot of work, but we have to only if we have a narrow definition of what prayer is. So we have to redefine what prayer is. Now, there are moments in Scripture where God says, fall to your knees and worship and pray, and those are good, good things, good postures to have. But oftentimes, more than not, we think this is prayer, and then we have to focus on focusing on praying. And you end up getting an ulcer. And yet, you know, you only last like two minutes doing it that way. I mean, I, I, I grew up in a culture, a church culture. Not my family culture, but a church culture. Where there were certain embedded theologies. Certain expectations of how you were to function within church. And many of us who have been church have, have um, experienced some of these things. Like I couldn't, I couldn't walk in... Church with a hat on without someone yelling at me. You know? I had a, you know, I felt that there was expectation to do this, to do that. I remember people discipling me and they would say, Man, if you are not waking up at five in the morning, five, he started, he led with that. If you're not waking up at five in the morning and you don't have a prayer box with all the prayers you've ever heard and are praying for four hours in the morning, You're not doing it right. First off, I'm not waking up at 5 in the morning for anything unless it's an emergency. Like a a comet is going to hit the planet. And then I might even sleep in because where are you going to (laughs) go? Okay? So I'm not going to wake up at 5 in the morning and I'm not going to sit there and go, "Mm," for four hours. That sounds miserable, doesn't it? And we often have that that kind of stereotype with prayer, that this is what it is. I mean, even Bruce, right? Even Bruce is like, um, he's, he's closing his eyes in front of God. <laughs> like, God, hear this, you know? <laughs> and he's sitting there and he says, whatever he's, you know, uh, what was it? World peace and feed the hungry. And, and God says, that's good if you want to be this. And then he says, what do you really want? And then you really see. And sometimes we live in that that Miss America prayer life, don't we? And we forget that prayer is an ongoing dialogue with the living Lord. When we look at the phrase in Scripture, pray without ceasing, ceasing, this is what it means. This is a definition that I think hits it uh, right on the head. Praying without ceasing suggests a mental attitude of prayerfulness... Continual personal fellowship with God and consciousness of being in his presence always. Let me say that again. Praying without ceasing suggests a mental attitude of prayerfulness, continual personal fellowship with God, and consciousness of or consciousness being in his presence. And that's where I think praying that ceasing is, that's the best definition right there, is being conscious of his presence daily. Daily. It's not breaking all your blood vessels and being resentful that God, you feel God's making you do this. It's a relationship. That means there has to be communication both ways. If you want a good Family environment you have to be constantly communicating if you want a good marriage. You have to what? Communicate Right if, if you're married, and you're not communicating you're done <laughs> And it's challenging though isn't it because you've got two personalities that are most likely drastically different and coming together and trying to live <laughs> Every day with each other. And if you don't communicate, conflict will overtake any relationship you're in. Not just the marriage relationship. If you don't communicate. So prayer isn't just a wish list. It isn't just God, give me this, give me that. Where God does say, make all kinds of requests. But he says more times than not, he wants to be with us. He wants to communicate with us. Praying without ceasing is mentioned over 70 times throughout Scripture. The concept of constantly being conscious of his presence is mentioned over 70 times in Scripture. Don't you think we should pay attention to that? (laughs) Right? When people say, man, I don't pray enough. Oftentimes it means that kind of prayer. Early on in my life, Matthew Broderick, everyone know that name? Taught me how to pray. True story. And I never even met him. He was in, again, a movie where he's this um, thief. And it's a fantasy movie, all this, but he's a thief. And what he does is that he's always talking to God out loud. And I remember feeling just constricted by this mentality that I have to wake up at five in the morning and pray for four hours like this on its own to, to feel like I'm having any kind of value or I'm learning something. Like, if you're not doing it that way, it's not right. And I'm like, no, something's wrong about this. And I've always been passionate about, about Scripture, even at a young age. I didn't always engage it in the, most, the healthiest of ways, but I was always passionate about it, and I knew that wasn't right. I knew that wasn't right. And in this, in this movie, I would watch Matthew Broderick. He goes, you're testing me, Lord. I don't like it, but I'll go where you go. What are you doing to me, Lord? This is uncomfortable, but I'll do what you want me to do. There was this freedom, this authenticity that happens. I'll tell you this. If you're not authentic in relationships, you'll never get to know one another. Right? You're only, you're only getting to know a facade, something that is not even real. You have to be authentic. God knows your heart. So when we dialogue with him, when we're conscious of his presence, we need to be authentic. Am I saying call them names and do it? No, I'm not saying that. But if you don't get something, it's okay. God, I don't get this. I don't get what you're doing. But remember, I have a posture of surrender, so I trust you. And I learned to, I learned to pray like that. And it freed me up because I began to see in myself through God's eyes and not the eyes of the expectations that, of, that people put on me, and not my own eyes, but his eyes. And that he was pleased with having conversation with me. In the late 90s or early 2000s, I remember, there's a movie Mel Gibson was in called Signs, where he's a pastor, it's like an alien movie, it's weird, but the entire meaning of it is a man who had lost faith. He loses his wife, and he's so angry with God, Hates him. He would use that. Doesn't believe in him anymore. And there's a scene where he's around the table with his kids. The the end of the world is imminent. And his kids are saying, let's pray. And he says, no. He yells it. Slams on the table. I am not going to spend another minute praying. Not one minute. He says that. And he says to God, he goes, I hate you what he says. And as a Christian watching a movie and going, "Oh, snap, he's done." Right? <laughs> Aliens are getting him first. But the progression of that he sees that there's a point where one this is a man that preached the word of God and he didn't know how to rejoice and give thanks in all circumstances because it wasn't a life fully surrendered and you see a life at the end of the movie fully surrendered. And you see him come back into faith with God. And praying. And it's a beautiful picture. And that should give us hope. That when we surrender, we see things, as we saw in the Bruce Almighty clip, we see things through God's eyes and no longer our own, which now we can take a posture of thankfulness. Now we can rejoice. Now we can say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I am pumped to be with Jesus because I trust him. And now, I want to dialogue with him all day long. And it doesn't mean I have to constantly be going, hey God, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, every second of the day, but being conscious of his presence, discerning where he is and where he's not, being available, ready to go. And I want to close with this story, and I'm going to be completely um, vulnerable with you now. How many have heard the ministry that we have here, Soul Care? Okay. Those of you who haven't, it's an inner healing ministry we have here. And I've been, um, Diane is heading it up with some other people and wonderful people. And inner healing is important. We all need inner healing. Sometimes the people that think they're found are the ones that are the most lost. If that makes any sense. And um, I went through inner healing in my life. I... Uh, came out of a um, uh, sexual abuse encounter with a neighbor when I was young that tormented me and set up patterns of unhealthy living for almost 20 years. And I never knew how to talk about it. I never, I wouldn't even want to try and remember it, let alone talk about it. And I went through an inner healing thing, and I was able to talk about it. And I think the first person I talked to, I was dating Shanna at the time, and she was the first person I talked to about it. Outside of that, that inner healing session. And then as I was able to talk about it once, I could talk about it twice. And then and I was getting freedom. So when I heard about soul care, I told Diane, I said, people need this. We need to bolster this up. We need to train and equip people in this and, so that they can receive freedom. But I thought I was already healed up. Okay? And I thought, if I'm going to encourage soul care for everyone here, then I have to go through it. All right? So I set up an appointment, and I was going to go through it as a courtesy. I'm like, dude, I'm good. I know my stuff. I've dealt with my stuff. I'm good to go. This will probably be a waste of their time. Right? And Diane was thinking the same thing too. She was thinking, because I've talked about it, I'm good. She's like, he's probably good. But I remember the Lord saying before I walked in, make sure that you are 100% honest. No, no corners, no closets, nothing. I open everything. And I let them, I let the Lord do what he wants. So open every nook and cranny. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I go in, and two hours later, I felt like I was just like hammered. <laughs> I could barely walk, and I was just like, oh my gosh. And Mark immediately comes over and gives me a big hug. He's like, dude, <laughs> he knew something was, was wrong. Because I really, or not wrong, but right. Because I realized, I thought I was found, but I realized in a lot of areas I was lost. And what you saw in that room, though, was community and prayer done in an authentic way where there was surrender, there was rejoicing, and there was thankfulness. And we were constantly conscious of God's presence. That's why I was so wiped out. If you've ever had an encounter with the living Lord, it is exhausting in a good way. Has anyone ever experienced that? He just hammers you. And you're just like, oh. And I thought, okay, Lord, this is what it's got to look like here. Because when we talk about community, we have to be authentic, right? We have to be ready to do the hard stuff. We can't run away from a relationship. We can't run away because it's inconvenient, right? And with prayer, we have to learn. We have to learn to be conscious of his presence all the time. And what I experienced in that room was all those things together. And it wiped me out. And guess what? And this is what just blesses me is that I thought I looked at myself through God's eyes, but I hadn't. I hadn't. Not really. I got a little bit of an upgrade and thought, that's enough. And I walked out feeling free. Free. Because I finally took a posture of surrender and in the moment of the visiting the deepest, darkest places I don't even like to even think about. God allowed me to rejoice and be thankful. And you better believe I was aware of his presence. Can you imagine if each and every one of us walked in that freedom? We surrendered to the point where we allowed God access to every part of us, hidden or seen, and was conscious of, Of him To a point where we can rejoice and be thankful always. Can you imagine what Bridgewood Community Church would look like if we all walked in that kind of freedom? Forget about just the community being reached. It would reach the nation and the nations. Because we're walking in the power and the authority and the healing and the love and grace that Jesus wanted for us from the very beginning. And one life like that, Can transform the world. You would not know Jesus if Paul had not surrendered to God. You would not know him because he was the one that went to speak to the Gentiles. One man. Imagine Bridgewood Community Church walking in freedom. The entirety of Bridgewood Community Church walking in freedom. Look what one man can do in the name of Jesus. Imagine a congregation of people that are moving through the inconvenience to get freedom from the hard stuff, to learn to pray without ceasing, rejoice always, be thankful in every circumstance because we live a surrendered life to Jesus. Imagine that. It brings tears to my eyes. I'm a crybaby with that stuff because that's what he wants for you and for me. Does this make sense? So if we want prayer to be the DNA here, we have to surrender. And we have to be willing to go through the inconvenience that relationship can bring so that we can receive healing and freedom. So that we can rejoice. So we can be thankful. And always be aware of his presence. Now I can do that. I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of this kind of mentality. I want to be a part of this mentality. Pray with me, please. Or we are humbled. We are humbled because you see every life here so intimately and deeply. And so many of us want to be known, want to be seen, and yet you see us and you know us. So I pray, Lord, that we would begin to see that. We would begin to see ourselves through your eyes. And the only only way we can do that is if we fully surrender to you. To lay down what we think we want and we think we need so that we can um, fully receive what you have for us. So, Lord, I pray in this time that we would be asking the question... What areas of my life do I need to surrender that I have not? And how do I do it? Because, Lord, it's, it's hard. We can say surrender, but oftentimes I don't even know what that looks like. But when we begin to trust you, we begin to see what that looks like. We begin to hear your voice in a way that um, leads us to a place of surrender. So I, I pray for Bridgewood, Lord. I pray that we would reflect you in a way that transforms our community, our nation, and the world around us. That we would live in freedom. And we thank you for access to that freedom. We thank you for access to your heart. And so I, I also ask God that as we enter this time of tithes and offerings... that we would surrender all to you, all our fear, all our doubt, all our hurts, our pains. Lord, that you would speak to us on what you want to give because it's all yours. It's all yours. Meant to be used to advance your kingdom in this place, in this world. So we pray that you would bless the offering, that you would take it into places um, that normally we couldn't reach on our own. And so we pray that you'd be honored by it, because we honor you, Lord, and we thank you. So bless this time as we finish in worship, and Lord, that we would continue to engage you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.